Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, here we are, hour number two on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, One Bills Live, and we know what that means. It's our weekly visit from senior producer from NFL Films and co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. It's Greg Cosell joining us, and his weekly segment is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. Greg, a lot has been made of Josh Allen's turnovers from last week, and we understand why it gives Bills fans angst. I will, <laughs> I, I will say, I will say, the Bills, when they have three turnovers or more, are four and one this season, and three of those four wins have come in the last three weeks. I know they yep. might be playing with fire here, Greg, but this is a team that seems to find a way to get around it. Yeah, I mean, obviously, no one wants turnovers, and you have to look at each one. I've always believed as a separate issue. You can't just look at a number on a page. Uh, as we know, no coach wants turnovers. Um, but, you know, they're a really interesting offensive team. I think both you guys would agree that when you think of, let's say, timing, rhythmic offenses, like the Niners come to mind, you probably wouldn't put the Bills in that category, but yet they score a lot of points every week. And it's it's they're kind of a to me, they're almost an aberration at times. They're just different. But, you know, they're very quarterback centric, um, maybe even more so amazingly enough more recently, because Josh has really been pushing the ball down the field. I mean, that first interception to Xavier Howard was definitely on Josh. That's on him because mm-hmm. that was actually a flood concept. And he wanted to get the ball to Dawson Knox and Knox was covered. And John Brown is really a clear out on that play. And the ball should never go to John Brown. But, you know, Josh thinks like that. That's the way he plays the game. But he also makes plays and throws that others won't make. I mean, the touchdown he threw to Gabe Davis, which I guess put them up by 10 at that time, correct? Yes, yes I right. believe that made it 34 24. Yeah. I'm not sure how many guys even attempt that throw, much less make that throw. So obviously, it's a balancing act. Their offense at times looks a little 
I always try to think of the right word, you know, fractured, uh, whatever the word might be, but it's yet they score a lot of points. Yeah, we. I've been throwing this stat around. Anybody who listened, Matty Glab gave it to me. The Bills are four and one in games where they turn the ball over three times or more. Three times. Yeah. If they turn it over three times, they're four and one in games like that. The rest of the league is twelve and sixty-two. So sure. you can say that they're you know living on borrowed time. You can slice it any way you want to. But to me, that shows an enormous margin of error for this offense that maybe other teams don't have. And maybe that is a reflection of Josh and his ability to make plays. But they never lose a game by more than a couple of points. If they do, it's an overtime no. touchdown. And they're 25-4 and four over their last 29 games. I mean, they are a tough team to beat. And Josh and yes. his big play and these throws that he makes are a big reason why. Without question. I mean, think back. When was the last time they had a bad game? Wouldn't you say that was Indianapolis early last season? Midway through I mean, last other season, than that, yes. I, don't, I don't think they've had a game where even when they've lost, and they haven't lost many, as you said, Steve, they don't lose. by. They're never out of games. Um, and say what you want about Josh, but he's the kind of quarterback that makes it so that you're never out of games. I mean, how many times in the fourth quarter has he led drives? And the interesting thing about that is he's led a lot of drives in the fourth quarter, which have been in some ways what would be considered anti-Josh. In other words, long, lengthy, methodical, patient drives, right, Brownie? I yep. mean, you look at the Detroit game. You Second look at Miami the um, the Miami game in, in, in Buffalo when it started to snow in the fourth quarter. Those are sort of anti-Josh drives the way most people think of Josh. You know, those those are patient drives. So, you know, you can say what you want. Um, and, and look, you guys know as well as I do, there are certainly some concerns on offense. I wouldn't say it's the most talented offense in the NFL by any stretch of the imagination overall. But they they win games and they play and, and, and they never get blown out. Yeah. Looking at some of Josh's numbers from last week, though, Greg, he attempted 21 throws of 10 yards or yep. more, 13 throws of 20 yards or more. For for those that don't know, that's a fat number. And I know it's because yep. Josh Boyer, the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins, for some reason decided, I'm going cover zero. I mean, he went cover zero on third and 15, Greg. We never see I that. Um, blitzed on 40% of his dropbacks. Do you attribute – what Miami was doing is the sole reason why Josh was chucking it down the field as much as he was. Um, look, I think we know, Brownie, that Josh has a really aggressive mentality. That, that's probably not likely to change. So the opportunities presented themselves. He's going to take those opportunities. The third and 15 you mentioned was the 52-yarder to Diggs. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he saw, you know, cover zero. He had Diggs matched on Howard and, and Diggs ran right by him. Um, and he made a great throw. Those are the throws that he makes. Um, but I certainly think that his mentality is such that he's going to do that more often than not. You wonder if, if uh, you know, earlier in the year, I would say, and I think you guys would agree, there were more rhythmic type throws where the ball was coming out and there were more sort of sustaining type throws. They still hit big plays, but overall there were more sustaining throws. Now, the other thing to keep in mind if, you know, if Dawson Knox doesn't drop the touchdown and Shakir doesn't drop that, he probably throws for, what, 425 yards, something like that? Right. You know, so, you know, it's very difficult to say that he did not have a good game given the, the number of plays that he did make. How do you think the Bills' offense has evolved over the course of this year under Ken Dorsey? I mean, they started out – they hung 31 on the defending world champions in week one, 
hung 41 yeah. on the number one seed Tennessee Titans in week two and went on from there. Then later on, you know, 38 to three over Pittsburgh early when, you know, the Steelers weren't quite themselves. But this is, you know, this is a team that was, you know, came out really efficiently early in the season. How has this evolved? And, and yeah. I get it. Miami game was a little bit of an aberration because of the defense they played. But, you know, what do you think this offense has grown into this season with Ken Dorsey? You know, I, look, I can only be honest based on, on, on film study. And I would say this. I would say that it's probably too dependent on Josh Allen. And because he's so highly skilled, I would still make the argument that in terms of pure physical talent, he's the best quarterback in the league. Now, others can discuss whether he's, quote unquote, the best overall, but just in terms of pure physical traits, I, I think he's the best quarterback in the league. Um, but I think they're so reliant on him. And, and here's here's how I would answer that as far as the run game. I don't think there's a big connection between their run game and their pass game, Steve. You know, I don't think, you know, you look at some teams and you see that the pass game, a lot of the concepts can work off what they do in the run game. I don't think that's really the case with Buffalo. And I don't know why that is. I, you know, I, I never place blame on coaches. I'm not there through the process. So since I'm not there, I have no idea what's discussed or what's not discussed or what the process is. But I would say that, that that's one area that just watching tape and seeing every team that's something I think I'd like to see more of a, a better, you know, I've used this word a couple of times this week and people have laughed at me. You know, they say, well, that's a big word to talk about football, but there's not a lot of synchronicity between the run game and the pass game. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I think you'd, you'd like to see more of that. It might open up some more opportunities in the pass game that are easier throws where you don't have to push it down the field, you know, uh, but I think that this offense has evolved, Steve, to where they do push it down the field a lot. And Josh attempts a lot of those throws. And because he can make them and at times does, you know, it, it, it seems like everything's OK. I mean, the bottom line is this is the best third down offense in the NFL. And what does everybody say about third down? It's the quarterbacks down. So something is, is being done that's right. But sometimes when you watch tape, it just seems like it's it's erratic let's let's yeah. put it that way right let's uh talk a little bit about Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo a guy that yep. loves to uh disguise through tendency yep. breaking um you know he'll he'll try to anticipate or or he'll self-scout himself realize what his tendency are tendencies are is break the tendency and yet disguise it some other way to confuse opposing quarterbacks is it safe to say that Josh and Ken Dorsey are absolutely going to have to adjust in game this week maybe more than ever I would say that's fair you know again you, you don't know until the game's played but that's been Lou Anaramo's uh, MO you know we've seen him make meaningful adjustments adjustments throughout the course of the game certainly when they play Kansas City that comes to mind um, but when all said and done they end up playing a lot of single high safety and I think there's ways to attack that. Um, and I think you have to think in those terms that you have to have some three high beaters. Um, they play a lot of, of cover three. You know, there's route concepts such as flood, um, which we've seen with, with the Bills. They, they've tried to get Dawson Knox involved with those route concepts. I can remember the 45-yarder against Miami in that same game where it snowed in the fourth quarter. That was against cover three. Um, I remember he hit digs for 19 yards, I believe it was, against New England early in that game against cover three on, on another flood type concept you know you, there's always routes to attack certain coverages um 
I guess it'll depend on how the game goes, Brownie, on, on what Luan Aramo does. I mean, you know, if the Bills all of a sudden, you know, have 14 points after three drives, he probably has plan B ready to go. You know, if all of a sudden we're in the second quarter and it's a 6-3 game, he probably feels like there's not a lot he has to change. Yeah. Give me an idea of what you thought about uh, the Bills' defensive secondary in this last game in the wild card against uh, Miami. Certainly, Skylar Thompson was not going to maybe light it up. No. But uh, how did the Bills play the Dolphins with the two really the two most dangerous guys on the field for the Dolphins were their two wideouts, and it was just a question of whether Skylar Thompson was going to be able to give them the ball enough. Um, what what were your thoughts about the way the Bills yeah. secondary held up? Uh, well, I thought they they knew that, and their highest percentage coverage was split safety zone, um, which was dominant on third down. Although there were selective snaps of man coverage, snaps of two man cover one robber. Um, I thought that uh, I, I thought that once Elam came in, I thought he played well. Um, I thought that was the, the kind of game where, you know, watching his tape in college, being long, athletic, um, you know, I thought he played well. You know, you, you're always going to get a solid performance from White. Um, you know, every once in a while you're going to get beat by guys who can run like that. That happens. Um, they're going to need a really good performance again against three really good receivers. Um, and you know, you guys know how I feel about Teron Johnson. I think he's one of the best slot corners in the game. They obviously think so in Buffalo because he plays every snap. Um, you know, the the interesting matchup to me in this game, guys, is the Bills pass rush. They need to generate some kind of pass rush against three backup offensive linemen. Now, the, the Bengals know this, and, and Burrow the last two weeks has been very conservative. He's been getting the ball out. He hasn't taken the vertical shots, which we've seen throughout much of the year. And by the way, that doesn't mean he's not going to do that this week. You never know. All bets are off. It's a playoff game. You don't know. All you have is what has happened prior, but you don't know what's going to happen in this game. Because um, Burrow throughout the year until recently, was very aggressive. When he had what he saw as one-on-one outside the numbers, he would take vertical shots and give Higgins and Chase a chance to make plays. Uh, so he certainly could do that again. But I think their their D-line pass rush, uh, however they choose to do it, whether it's four down linemen, whether it's three down linemen with either Milano or Edmonds adding in as the fourth rusher, not the fifth rusher, the fourth rusher, you know, somehow they have to get pressure. They have to defeat that O-line. Speaking of their offense, Greg, running the football has been a slog for them all season long, whether they were healthy or not. Now they're not healthy. How much does that cater to the Bills' defense potentially making the Bengals more one-dimensional than maybe they already are? And I think that's critical, Brownie, because they do try to run it. It's not as if they never try to run it. Um, And so you have to – you have to stop them so you get to the second and longs and the third and, and longs where at least their play calling will become more predictable. That has to be a, a major part of this game. This can't be the week that they get their run game going if you're a Bills fan. Um, so that's critical because, look, every coach in the league will tell you if you can get into long yarded situations, you feel like as a defensive coordinator that you have the advantage. Your playbook becomes wider and bigger and there's more things you can do. We've seen Milano be really effective as a blitzer. We've seen Edmonds now being used at times as a blitzer to Ron Johnson coming off the slot off the edge. So they, they've done a nice job with their selective use of pressure because as you guys know, they're not a high percentage blitz defense, but they do it selectively and they do it well. 
And what do you think that looks like against this offensive line? When they had the injury and Jonah Williams had to leave the game with a dislocated kneecap, yep. it seemed to me Cincinnati's offense really dropped off. They stopped moving the ball consistently, and they stopped, yep. scoring, and they stopped scoring points. Uh, I guess the question is why? Well, they, they got very conservative. Keep in mind the longest pass play last week by Burrow was 19 yards. Right. That, that rarely ever happens. So, you know, they've gotten conservative. Um, obviously, they played an offense last week that was not likely to put up a lot of points. We'll see what happens this week. I mean, look, all we have is what's transpired up to this point. There's not many games. I mean, can you recall a game where the Bills scored 10 points? I mean, you know, you would think that the Bengals are going to have to score in the 20s to to compete and win this game, which, by the way, they can. I mean, this is not a gimme. You guys know that. Um, but the point is, is they're going to have to score and, you know, and, and unless the Bills really give them short fields, which could happen, obviously, um, they're going to have to move the ball and they're going to have to score. And normally to do that with any kind of consistency, you need some kind of explosives in your offense. And they really haven't played that way the last couple of weeks. Greg, do you have any other game besides this one that kind of intrigues you based on the uh. matchups? <laughs> Because this um, one, seems, I think most people feel this is the marquee one, just because of the two young quarterbacks involved. But is there a is there a one? I would agree. Um, well, just being in the Philly area, I'm obviously fascinated by the Philly game. But I would say the San Francisco uh, Dallas game, probably from a tactical perspective, I find really intriguing. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if this is the end of the road for Brock Purdy, who has been remarkably efficient as a starter, but I don't think he's seen a pass rush like this before. Yeah, but I, I will say this, Brown, and you could be right. You, know, you never know how a game plays out. And if they get into long yardage, you could 100% be right. But the, but the way the 49ers play offense, I think that actually puts a lot of pressure on Dallas because Dallas is very multiple up front and they have a really good pass rush that attacks in many ways. But that's more of their second and long, third and long deal. Yeah. You know, if the Niners can stay ahead of the change, which they do as well as any team in the league, as you know, then I'm really curious to see how Dallas plays because that's not how they want to play on defense. They want to be in an attacking mode and the Niners with the way they play offense, really prevent defenses from being in an attacking mode. Why can't NFL defenses make Brock Purdy look bad? Well, I think there's probably a couple of reasons for that. Number one, the Niners play a ton out of 21 personnel yeah. with two backs, use check, and a tight end. So what do NFL defenses do in response for the most part? They play their base defense, whatever it may be. In Dallas's case, it's big nickel with three safeties. But as you know, Steve, most teams' pressure fronts and pressure concepts don't come out of base. They come out of their sub. So a lot of teams get stuck. They they they're not sure how to match up. Do we, do we play base and then you know we could get stuck in the pass game? You know, with the way they can line up McCaffrey and Samuel all over the formation. Do we play nickel because we're worried about all these pass weapons, but then we get mauled in their run game? But the bottom line point is most teams' pressure packages do not come out of their base personnel. Right, yeah. so they have, they, they have struggled. I mean, teams struggle to put pressure on Purdy because they don't have the right people on the field. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, to some degree. I mean, sure. Can you pressure out of base? Of course you can, but that's not the way most teams are structured. Um, and then you, the other factor you have is 
when they're in 21 personnel, they have five eligible receivers, including Juszczyk. Now he's part of this that can line up anywhere in the formation. So now all of a sudden, you know, you line up defensively and here's McCaffrey split and here's Kittle split on the other side and here's Samuel in the backfield and here's Juszczyk in the slot. And all of a sudden now you get into communication issues. So what do teams do, Steve, as you well know, because you played in a spread offense that probably forced defenses to do the same thing. What do they do? They line up in what we call their default defense. And the 49ers know what that default defense is going to be with pretty much every team. So what does that do, Steve? It gives Purdy more information pre-snap, and that's what you're trying to do with your quarterback. Yeah, especially when mm-hmm. he's a rookie. So Greg, wait, yeah. one last thing. So is Purdy has Purdy played as well as the other quarterbacks who he backed up? Is he playing as good as Garoppolo did? Is he playing as good as Trey Lance did before they got hurt? Is he the best guy that has taken snaps for them this year? Uh, I would say the answer is probably yes, and there's two reasons for that real quick. Number one, he is very athletic and light on his feet, so he's added the play-action boot game and the second reaction game, movement game, which Garoppolo could not give them. Right. Mm. All right. Great stuff, Thanks, Greg. Greg. Thanks, as always. Enjoy the games this weekend. All right, guys. Look forward to next week. Yeah, we'll see you then. That's Greg Cosell, senior producer from NFL Films, also co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show. Ooh. You know, you talk, we've talked about this game ad nauseum this week. I don't know if I have any greater clarity on it. Like, I, th- I have some notions as to what I think could happen, but it's like Greg says, too. Like, all we know is what has transpired over the course of the season, and we try to apply that to what could happen in this game, but we, we have no clue. It's amazing. No clue. I give I give the Giants a better chance to go into Philly and upset the Eagles. You as, do as a six seed than I do the Jaguars going into Kansas City and upsetting the one seed. What do you like about the Giants? Just they're, they don't make mistakes. I mean, you saw the Jaguars throw four interceptions in the first half last week. Yeah, that's not good. Um, you don't see the Giants do that. And the Giants do things that other teams do not, like the Buffalo Bills do. Daniel Jones will tuck it under his arm and run. He's part of their run game. And they have Saquon Barkley, who is a beast out of the backfield. They have the ability to control the pace of their offense. That's true. And I don't know. And they don't really. And so the Eagles' pass rush is a little bit negated by that. So I like that matchup. The Jaguars, I don't know if the Well, maybe they can. Maybe the Jags can go in and score with the Chiefs in Arrowhead. Because that's what you got to do, right? I mean, mean, we found that out. Everybody's pointing to the first meeting between the Chiefs and the Jaguars, which happened earlier this season. And, you know, Mahomes went off for four touchdown passes and they kind of left him behind. Right. I think turned, the Jaguars are a much different team now, though. It was a 27-17 game. Yeah. And I, the Jags I, are a different team. Right. I think they're a much better yeah. team now than they were back then. So I'm not saying they're going to go in there and win, but I don't think it's I think it's it'll gonna, be close, though. I do, too. It'll I be competitive. Um, the coaching staff is – I think Doug Peterson's excellent. I think he's Andy excellent. Andy Reid disciple. And he, he's excellent because he has his hand on the pulse of that. He really gets his team. He did that at Philly, too, when they won the, the, the Super Bowl. And he also has it in Jacksonville. And now they're starting to respond and play well underneath, around him. So I don't know if their roster is where Kansas City's is and they're going to have enough horses to get it done. But that's the game plan, I think, if you're Jacksonville. you got to score with those guys. Yeah. That one could be a shootout, too. 
We have to take a break here. When we come back, we'll crack open the OBL Friday fan mailbag, answer some of your questions here next on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 